welcome to the Roll Down Podcast, hosted live on Twitch every Tuesday night. Now, here's your hosts, Cutler and Saul! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Roll Down Podcast, a Teamfight Tactics podcast. And today, without messing around... We, I mean, we've got one of TFT's greatest players on the podcast ever. But first, before we come to him, I want to come to my co-host, the wonderful Soul. It's so good to see you, as always. Always a pleasure to be here. Now, guys, this man is famous for holding rank one and rank two in the one one go and holding rank one in basically every set since TFT's existence. I mean, he's an, he's an animal, he's incredible, and we're so pleased that he's uh, joined us today for an episode that we're calling TFT's Greatest of All Time, that is Mismatched Socks. Welcome to the podcast. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, probably a little bit uh, over-exaggeration, as I don't think I've been rank one set 6.5 yet. We got plenty of time. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I was rank one every set also, but, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a little too old. Uh, Time to get time to let the new new newcomers take that title. There's lots yeah. of Zoomers playing TFT now. There's lots of young people that are really good at TFT. They weren't here a few years ago. Yeah, it was it was a less competitive field back in the days. But also, um, I feel like uh, a set six point five just came out, and maybe maybe I'll be rank one at some point. So it's not too late. Plenty of time left. Um, I mean, look to be honest with you guys. We've got a lot to talk about on this episode. This is uh, such a special treat for for us, especially as, as two people that uh, you know sort of grew their love of TFT by watching uh, Sox's videos of the on the game and and learning how to be competitive in the game from that position. Sox, I want to ask you first of all, where did your love of creating content to help people improve their game come from? Oh, uh, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't love creating content to help people. It's just, actually, frankly, to say it's kind of tedious and annoying. And um, it's not like you, you don't actually get, like, that much respect or, like, um, like a reward out of it. I actually don't really make money off of YouTube at all. Um, but, I mean, what's the reason why I make content? I don't know. Uh, it's just, I mean, like... I feel like uh, it's one of those things where you just leave a mark on, uh, like, um, leave a mark because, like, and try to help as many people because why not? It's not like I actually like making content. It's just, I don't know. I feel like, I guess sharing, uh, sharing like, new ideas is kind of fun sometimes, but for the most part, it's, it's not, not, not that great. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. Do you think that, like where do you get your enjoyment from tft these days then if it's not from creating the content is it from streaming is it from like do you prefer playing on stream off stream these days oh i also don't like streaming like i don't like streaming <laughs> <laughs> i don't like streaming i, got I don't it. like creating content okay, honestly, Fox, what do I you, love... stop, tell us what you do like Socks. how about that no, i like playing tft i like playing tft i'm good at playing tft i enjoy playing but like everything around it, like all the social media stuff, uh, is super tedious. Actually, I have a few friends who um, who they they really want to stream. They're like, oh, 
I'm not very good at, at games, but I'm very entertaining and I really want to stream. And they asked me, do you have any tips? And I'm like, bro, I hate streaming. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't actually hate streaming. I don't actually hate streaming. Shit, but I can, I, can only find, I can only find streaming enjoyable like once in a while. And not, not something like to do something like what K3 Sochu does where he streams like every day for like 12 hours a day. is just, oh my God, I would. That's like a nightmare. Uh, absolute nightmare. For us older people, um, you know, who are sort of in their later 20s, you know, even in their earlier 30s sometimes, I think that sitting down for that long, just, just thinking about that makes my back hurt. So oh, I mean, oh, it's not sitting down for me. I, I can sit down for like like 22 hours in a day. No problem. I, I'll sleep and sitting down. No problem. But <laughs> it's, just the, it's just like the social media portions of it and like interacting with people. Um, it's really tedious. And I like, for example, the, the example I always uh, make is like, like people used to upload a lot of stuff to like Facebook or like Snapchat or like Instagram. And that shit has always been so tedious for me. I would like never, ever, ever, ever upload anything ever at all. Right. So. Mm. Yeah. I, um, I'm also someone that doesn't really do the social media side of things. Like even in my sort of personal life, I don't do Facebook, Instagram, that kind of thing. Is it just, uh. It just doesn't feel very rewarding, does it, to be there for so for so long in your day? Uh, yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Definitely part of it. Sol, I want to come to you and, and ask you a, a little question now. When we were setting up this episode, you said to me that Socks was, mm. and I quote, your hero. So, um, <laughs> a TFT hero? <laughs> a TFT hero. No, real, no just hero. Just hero mm. is fine. Um, I, I want to ask you um, a little bit about your... Uh, experience with these kind of analytical videos and, yeah. and sort of how they helped you improve specifically. Yeah, uh, I mean, so like when I was first like really getting into the game, which was like around set three, I think that was when like uh, Socks here had a sort of pretty big presence, I guess, on the scene, uh, touted as one of the best players. So like that was when I like first found like Socks' like content. Um, and over time, like, through his, like, a lot of his YouTube videos and stuff, through, like, his TFT Academy videos, I feel like it was, like, the only, one of the only, like, sources of just uh, sort of objectively analyzing the game, if that makes sense. Like, this is, like, this is, like, an actual, like, formula you can follow. Like, this is, like, an actual strategy you can follow that's, like, effective and actually works, rather than, like, oh, just build this comp and buy these units and build these items. So, like, that, like, I think helped me a lot in just improving at the game. Um, looking at the game at a sort of more deeper, uh, like a more deeper sort of fundamental mechanical level, rather than just looking at it like as like comps and like essence slot items and stuff like that, basically. So yeah, fascinating, very interesting. Um, Socks, I wanna I wanna come back to you, and I'd love to know. I know you just sort of said that it's how you feel about creating the content. I, I'm wondering that now that you're a uh, a, a family man, a man with many different commitments in your life. What your um, what your sort of immediate future is looking like when it comes to TFT? Oh, uh, for content creation, I I don't really know at the moment. Um, I am I am really really busy recently. I mean, it's not like I actually don't have time. It's just like, um, I don't have that much uh, board time, and like, basically, board time is usually what causes me to create like uh, some TFT content and stuff. Um. But I mean, it's always good to hear stories like so, where like uh, my co my content really helps someone like learn the game properly instead of like following guides and stuff. 
So that's that's really really like encouraging to hear. Uh, but I don't know I me mean, uh, for my for content creation. I'm I don't have a uh, super. I mean, I'm definitely gonna be putting out content. I just don't know how much effort I'll be putting into it, right? So. Yeah, understandable. We've asked sort of all of our questions this basically since we started because we started the podcast uh, the day before set six came out. Your um overall feelings on augments and how they've changed the game. Are you are you happy with the way that they are in six point five? Did you prefer them in six point Um, I. I mean, I, I don't know exactly what's causing the, what's it called, resentment or, like, disappointment behind Cess 6.5, especially towards the augment side. I actually think the augments are a lot better, a lot more interesting, a lot more diverse. It's a it's a little bit unfortunate that, like, the rest of Cess 6.5, in my opinion, is a little bit worse, but I think people are, um, like, I don't want to say this exactly, but, like, I feel like people are commit-making Soji a little bit too much. Like Soji at the beginning of the set made a big outcry about how six so six point five wasn't very good, but like now if you ask Soju, my guess is that Soju would like reverse a lot of his answers and like he he didn't he doesn't make a rant about that so it's hard to appreciate it. So now like the viewers, like who copy Soju don't realize that Soju has changed his opinions a little bit. There's no such thing as a positive rant, really, is there? There's no look, how, look how great TFT is now, guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there has been, right? There has been. I'm sure there has. Is there not? Um, I feel like there are way more negative twit longers than positive ones, but yeah. I, I guess so. You're probably right. <laughs> Certainly at the moment, that's very in, that's very interesting to say. I mean, what what are your thoughts specifically on the on the game at the moment? Oh, I I mean, I haven't played too much since six point five. I've definitely played a lot, but not. Like super, not not like definitely in like the bottom five five percent to ten percent in the competitive players, but I would definitely say that six six point five is like a good set. Um, I think set six point five does uh very well. The like the very first time in history, like they finally found a way to make three costs very very relevant in in the game, and three costs have been like the hardest thing to balance in my opinion about set like TFT in general. It's always been super awkward. But now this set, they like they made them really, really powerful, but not more powerful than four cost. Interesting. Yeah, I, I um, I think that they're certainly they feel a lot stronger than um set five point five, which I do feel was sort of a step in the right direction for three costs, with the uh, mm -hmm. Nidalee Riven, sort Yasuo. of units Yasuo that were very powerful. Um, could have even been them using that as a as a tester of of those kind of things. Um, so augments are staying around for set seven in in one form or another. Um, how do you feel about augment, like the the idea of augments sticking around, Socks? <clears throat> oh, I mean, I, I'm I personally love augments. Um, I'm happy they're sticking around. I know that augments actually make the set significantly less competitive, uh, but that's not something I really mind uh, myself because I actually value having uh, I actually value a fun set, a fun and interesting set more than a competitive set. Um, in addition, I actually think augments are so good. Uh, I wish they would like, not just have like, not just uh, reuse them. I wish they would expand on it. So like, instead of three augments, I would, I hope they would like maybe do like five augments, one per stage. Like it doesn't. I I I I think there's no nothing, no downsides of adding more augments, especially since people are already familiar. And then um, I mean, uh, I also think augments are so good. I'm actually stealing them uh, directly into the game I'm creating. So. <laughs> 
So I, I think the good. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to ask you about that. We've got some questions uh, at the end of the episode about it as well. But I'd love sort of, uh, in your own words, sort of where this where this idea came from to start your own game. Uh, what you're hoping for to come out of it, what you you know, where what the inspirations are that you're you're borrowing from, and that kind of thing. Uh yeah, maybe we can talk more about it later. Because if I start talking about it, I don't know if I'll stop ta- stop talking about it. <laughs> okay. But just for the people who don't know, uh, I'm writing my own uh, auto battler. Uh, I have, I mean, when people say they're they're making their own game, it's like always a little bit sketchy, at least in my mind, because like I'm like, oh, your game probably sucks. But I but despite that. I have every reason to hope and believe that my game will pop off and be the next big game on Steam. Hell yeah. Let's Hell yeah. Go. That's exciting. Guys, more on that coming at the later portion of the episode when we can let Socks talk about it for half an hour. Um, <laughs> we we want to talk about uh, the main topic of today's episode really is that there's some big tournaments on the horizon. Uh, some massive tournaments, in fact. Obviously, the regional uh regional championship events are, are very close and um we've got somebody who is going to be front and center you know so socks i was wondering um a little bit we we've spoken to a number of different OCE competitors before about preparing for tournaments i was wondering what your tournament preparation like format is usually like how much time do you dedicate to the game versus watching the game but watching replays that kind of thing uh yeah so i mean i would say i mean i mean like i said i'm probably a little bit old now um let's go i'm not as competitive as i used to be but i think in set three and set four um i had uh i had uh, like a pretty not rigorous tournament prep schedule but like a fairly a fairly um not involved either but just my tournament prep involves um like figuring out um Kind of like a play styles uh, that I want to play. So in set three, um, I was not very good at flex playstyle at that time because a flexible a flexible playstyle don't exist back then. Uh, it was just uh, like stage uh, stage uh, three one. You pick a comp and you follow follow that comp. Um, so flex uh, playstyle doesn't exist back then. But also set three, I was um, I wasn't um, uh, well, well prepared. And I only had about a week and a half to learn the game. And that's because like two weeks prior to the event was Twitch Rivals. So I was preparing for that instead. And then uh, during that two weeks, I was like, okay, what is the fastest way I can be the best player in the shortest amount of time? And for set three, I realized that uh, the fastest way was just to be like, abuse the strongest comp and like one trick it. So at the time I just uh, one trick Bang Bros uh, all the way to Worlds. It was actually quite a, quite a journey. And oh, um, love that comp, man. We're, actually, we're set three enjoyers on this podcast. We're, the, <laughs> we're... <laughs> I, 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 hey, also something controversial. I don't like set three, but you know that's that's that's. We're coming. Record. We're coming back to that. Hold on a second. We'll mm-hmm. come back to that. You keep going, but we're coming back to that. Oh, okay. Anyway, so for in order to prep, I I realized I was gonna one trick Bane Bros, and then um, I prepped one more backup comp in case I can't hit, play Bane Bros. So uh, it was called Bane Bros uh, uses a lot of bow items. So I prepped one comp that uses no bow items, and that comp I chose was uh, uh, inf- uh what's it called Mech Mech, mech um, uh, Sork Max. I don't remember. It's, what it's a mech, mech Victor, right? It's yeah, Mech Victor. Mech Victor, yeah, Victor yeah. that uses no bows. Uh, so that that was like my game plan, and then um, in order to prepare, I actually watched a lot of uh, Bane Bros uh, Bane Bros players 
the OCE uh, streamer Esha. Esha. Actually, I watched a lot of Esha. And you know what? <laughs> For someone who invented Bane Bros, he was like hot garbage at that comp. Like, <laughs> 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 I he was not very. He was not very good at the con. Oh, I mean, he was he was good at like when no one knew about it, but like as people actually like learned how to play the comp, he was very very bad. <laughs> Anyways, the one other player uh, who um who who I took so much inspiration from was Daisic. Uh, so Daisic actually played a ton of Bane Bros. I don't think a lot of people know that, and he invented the frontline master attack, which I absolutely abused uh, for the entirety of regionals. Uh, so like that was my prep for set three. And then for my prep for set four was um was uh I, I pretty much two weeks I, I was definitely the best player before set four, like going to set four regionals it wasn't even close but in addition to being the best player I also didn't stream any of my set four games like pretty much like the month before regionals and I um and I uh and I uh, had uh, like two pocket comps uh I was called that no one else knew how to play. But I was uh, the only person playing them at the time. I was playing, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, Elderwood, uh, Zaya, and uh, Keeper Zaya. And nobody else played them. And I pulled them out uh, at world, uh, regionals and uh, absolutely dominated the scenes with those two comps. Elderwood came sort of quite close to the end. Like, sorry, uh, Keeper Zaya, like, it came right towards the end of that set as well. It wasn't, um, you know, a lot of people weren't playing it until kind of a big guide came out about it about six weeks before regionals yeah i uh, definitely by another ac elder woods i had not a single person even played i think but i, mm. I knew that was very strong and I, I played it a few times fascinating and how much do you put into sort of watching your gameplay back or watching other other high challenger players gameplay do you think that that's like one of the most significant parts of preparing for an event uh, I mean, my hot take on it is that I think if you want to win the tournament, if you want to actually represent NA, if you don't, if you want, if you care about doing well, watching people is really good. But if you care about winning the whole thing, like getting first or second, um, I mean, I don't even watch people because, like, what's the point of like uh, copying someone? Um, basically, like, if you want to actually win the thing and want to have a significant advantage, uh, copying someone is not the way to do it. Like you'll never get any a significant advantage by replicating someone. You have to actually come up with all your own unique thoughts, for the most part. Um, so I actually do very pre a little prep, but one of my favorite things to do, just as an ego boost, is that like sometimes I'll play really well in a tournament. I'll watch some of my tournament games back, and I'm I'm gonna be like, holy fuck, that is insane. So I'm, yeah, that's so, I'm so good. I'm so good at this game. <laughs> um, I would love to um. Uh, to ask you as well a little bit about sort of the people that you are likely to come up against in these kind of events uh aside from not watching not really watching too much tft on or at least uh, in your own words sort of preferring to to look back at your own gameplay do you sort of ever take stock of oh well i know this guy is only going to play this one comp or, or this guy's a really like he plays mercs all the time or he plays this all the time or you know they play this yeah. all the time. Do you do you put much stock into yeah. the other competitors that you that you're coming up against? Uh yeah, I mean back in the sets, uh, set three and like uh, I think recently set six, um I, I used to prep that kind of data. Uh, I just find that it actually doesn't help that much to be honest. Interesting. Like um, 
Uh, basically, there w- it, it wasn't uh, like in set three. I had this. I had I had essentially hired someone to prepare what every single person played and record them, and then like see how, what percentage of people played Bane Bros, which was uh, uh, essentially one of my strongest comps, and what the percentage of people played Star Guardians, which was the hardest counter to Bane Bros at the time, and like and it, with that, I, I determined like how often I should play Bane Bros, and it ends up just like convoluting the whole mess and not actually helping that much. Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's really easy to over prep uh, for tournaments like that as well, especially uh, doing stuff like that. That doesn't actually help that much. Like instead of doing all that uh, like crap, it's better to just like sleep early and get a good night's rest and like watch a movie before the tournament, you know? Fascinating. Uh, for us, we come from like competitive card game backgrounds. Originally, Sol was a, a magic player and I was a, a Pokemon card player. So we, we sort of have a, sort of similar understanding about where to like where how to prepare for tournaments that kind of thing Sol, I, I would love it if you had any any questions for socks as well to to jump in here and, and ask away uh yeah sure um i guess like the f- Ooh, i guess my probably biggest question is like so you mentioned that like in set three flex playstyle hadn't sort of really existed yet or like none it's like fully fleshed form so I guess my question would be like, when did it, I guess first initially sort of click um, in terms of like how to properly I guess sort of play flex? Like when did sort of like like at, at, like which set like at which point was it like a specific pivotal moment? Was it a build up of like a lot of experiences together? Yeah, that would like be my general be like a general question. I, I actually, I mean, this is a fun question because like it's it's I mean it's hard to find right. Well, even is flex is hard to find. I think set two. Uh, was like the first inkling of flex in my opinion i think um there was two like uh flex comps to bring up one of them is Sumsins. everybody like talks about Sumsins. i don't know did you guys play back in set two yes i've heard of Sumsins, but <laughs> okay, the okay. sentiment was that it wasn't that flex it was just all the units were op <laughs> yes yes i mean that's essentially yeah. the case too no, yeah. like you just basically you roll down you play whatever three whatever units you hit you just put them on your board you can have zero synergies on your left side and your board is still good and that was the whole like idea. Like, yeah, synergies don't matter. Uh, your units mean everything. Especially um, like sin, like singed Amumu, a Tarek. They basically just put them in everything. Like those three were just in every comp. It didn't really matter because those they were so strong <coughs> as as legendary units. Yeah, I mean, okay. Two. So I I think Sense is like one of the by like the definition of like Uniflex, one of the most uh, Uniflex type of comps, and um. There was one other comp I want to at least uh, bring up, which no one ever talks about being flex, which is Rangers. Um, I mean, I don't know if, how much you guys know about my history, but uh, the the reason I uh, was so good at set two was because I was essentially the uh, I was like rank one NA, and I was the only person who had any success with Rangers. And every time I played Rangers, like every single game I played Rangers, uh, if you hit your board, you cannot go lower than second. It's like impossible it mm-hmm. is the board caps out mm-hmm. so so high and it's not even that hard to hit it's like uh two, a bunch of two star forecasts and like one copy of uh, like two different uh five costs so yeah. all you have to do is like two star your forecast and i have like like one five cost like by modern days this is trivial like everybody can do it mm-hmm. right like, yeah. like you want a two star aurelia at uh fourth like two star aurelia at like five one doesn't even win you fights anymore Two star Aurelia at four three is like the bare minimum if you <laughs> if you want to expect a top two, right? Everyone can do it now. But yeah. back in set two, um, 
people didn't have that concept. So like people would just only pick up units, like early game people would only pick up units that belong in their comp, and like especially not pick up trans transitional units that didn't exist, like transitional items that didn't exist, not best in slot that didn't exist. So early in set two, I had I like already essentially discovered like how to transition your units because there was no ranger that was cheaper than forecast that was playable. So like transitional units that um uh like I I uh that was like uh, that that was came out kind of in set two, but then um <clears throat> and then set three came out. Set three was like the least flexible set of all time. I know you guys like set three, but I'm sorry to tell you, that's, oh, that's, no, that's it was, a... no, it was it was not that flexible. No, 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 it was definitely not that flexible. I played I played eighty one <laughs> games of yep. Nuke in a row. Eighty one. Yeah, okay. no, no, I, I love the set, but yeah, no, no, that's that's it was not flexible. I mean, even when even yeah. when it was enough, uh, what's called not Mac, it was just three comps. Like you could only play three comps: six yeah. cybers, yeah. Like six rebels. Cyber like, Rebel and, and yeah, something like that. Was it Riven? I don't know. I think Sork Riven. Yeah, yeah. Sork Riven. Yeah, Sork Riven. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think the set was a mess. But anyways, <laughs> set four. Okay, set four comes out. I'm pretty sure set four was the uh the best set possible for flex. Like way better than set six, because uh uh I mean uh, there was so much uh there was so much advantage of playing flex. The moment you hit a chosen unit, like that calls you to pivot your entire board. So then set four like. I love set four. I played it like I'm pretty sure I played it like top five percent playtime of all players. Love set four, and like every single night I would think about how to like optimize my transitions. Like I would like, uh, I would like, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I just like uh, watch people play, and I'm like in my mind, I'd be like, oh, they can do this and this and this and this and this, and their board will be so much stronger. Like I would backseat in my mind. I wouldn't actually type it out, but I would backseat in my mind. So like that's when I um and then Warwick patch came out. Warwick patch came out. Warwick patch came out and it was the hardest patch to play at first because like this comp is unbeatable. And then I I, I was like you know I'm not gonna play any Warwick just just as a uh, just as a limit test. And by not playing any Warwick, it really pushed me to the limits of like how to optimize flex. Because if you want to survive in a Warwick meta, you have to learn to play the game properly, aka like 100 HP at like stage five one. Is barely scraping a top four. So like because of Warwick, I learned how to 100 HP at five one, which essentially is the birth of flex, right? Hmm. So it's it's because of this like pressure from a comp that's that everyone else is playing that's very very strong, and like that kind of pressure that like initially causes you to lose, like by thinking of ways to overcome it, uh, that's how I was able to like uh, discover a lot of these things. Wow. That's nice. a great answer. That's so cool. That is yeah. such a great answer. I'd I, I want to go very quickly back to set two because I started with about three weeks of set two left. And I, I, I first started, I've told this story a little bit on the podcast before, but I, I watched TFT for a long time in set two uh, on, on stream. I, I watched your stream. I watched uh, Scara play and I watched Soju quite a lot. And I remember thinking to myself, man, you know what's really, really good that people just like don't talk about ranges and then the first week that i played ranges i went from like unranked to, to diamond four in, in like a week of just playing within the last week of the set and i and I always remember just like uh getting into like lobbies with master players and, and like freaking out i was like oh man these players are so good surely they're gonna like contest my my like twitch ash or like early like they're gonna take all my early poison units and then i'm not gonna be able to hit it and i just kept i basically just one trick to ranges for the whole like for two weeks 
Um, yeah, so let's, uh, I want to, I want to talk a little bit more about, about flex. It's really interesting to bring up cho to chosen as a factor because, uh, in early, in the early stages of, of set four, you could get really strong chosens really early in the game. Like you could hit like four cost chosens on, on like stage three pretty consistently, I think. And they had to sort of nerf it back and nerf it back and nerf it back. Uh, and five cost chosens at like level eight were a thing for a little while before that as well. So you could sort of play your whole board around going fast eight and, and praying to the gods that you hit a chosen five cost. Um, I want to know how you feel about playing flexibly in set 6.5 now, though, or even set six, I suppose. Um, um, I mean, I just want to bring up chosen real quick because, <clears throat> I mean, uh, you, you talk about how it's weird chosen encourage flexibility but like uh, a lot of times you hit a strong strong chosen at the beginning of the game you play around it uh, at some point you have to sell it right yeah so like selling selling it and buying a new chosen that has to be a uh, uh, that has to be a flexible decision like, i mean what can you do just just buy one chosen uh, maybe on like, the on uh, the nidalee patch you probably could oh uh, you oh you <laughs> you you probably could in some patches but like for the most part like, yeah. The reason why chosen is so flex is because like you had to uh, start your chosen and play around new chosen. It's not like you had a choice. That's like actually the correct way to play. Everybody, mm. even if you're hard forcing, you still probably like, even if you're hard forcing Zed, you probably still have to buy chosen, play around the chosen, then eventually um, uh, pivot your board. Right? Like just just that mm. alone, like it's, uh, just that simple fact alone shows you like how flexible it is. Yeah. Instead six, okay, it has a big problem. <clears throat> Which is that um, playing flexibly is actually uh, quite heavily punished. Uh, like, let's just say, if I want to win regionals, um, okay, in my opinion, the dominant strategy should be committing your comp by three, three, by three, two every game. Um, and like, here's my reasoning why. Um, so basically, the, all the augments are tailored around your board. So let's just say you decide at the very beginning of the game, I'm going to play Aurelia. You slam. Every item associated with Irelia. Then at three two, you roll down your board so that you have like four strikers, like uh, four strikers, two bruisers, right? A very common scenario. <clears throat> when when your augment is offered, you have a very high chance of getting an Irelia tailored um, augment um, because what's it called? Um, that's how augments work. Now, if you do yeah. it the vice versa, let's just say your three two board is just a bunch of flex units. Uh, you don't really have much of synergies. So you're not really committed. All you're, do, you're gonna do is you're gonna get offered middle of the pack like augments. Like let's just say you get offered like you know like Bruiser Heart. You're gonna be like, eh, I don't know about that one. Like let's say you're gonna be offered augments that are very non-committal for your comp, and it's not like any of the augments are powerful enough that you want to pivot your entire board like chosen. So like it heavily encourages you to commit by three two, um, and committing by three two is like never like. A truly sign of flex. All the uh, flex uh, patches and flex sets uh, really reward you for like being flex. I would say from stage one all the way to stage four or five. Yeah, I think uh, that's a really good point. A lot of the time, I mean, I know that there's been a lot of discussion about the augments themselves, but you know they they've tried to make the first one sort of true, truly random. I believe that that's what they really yep. want and then sort of hyper focus on the units you've got or the, the the game state that you're currently in for the next two um i hadn't ever really thought about the fact that that sort of limits 
creativity and pivotability and maneuverability of a comp overall. Uh, what do you think they could do to make that sort of, sort of lessen that strain on on a player? Well, I don't think. I mean, I don't think this is a problem, though, right? It's not. It's not a problem. Like, it's not a problem of sets less flux. I mean, overall, it's still more fun because mm. you're, you have this like exciting decision that uh, uh, that that changes your game. But like, it's okay if if the set is less flex. Yeah. Um. So like, I mean, I don't even think it's a problem. It's not like it's not like it's something Riot has to fix. Mm. But uh, pretty much every turn, everyone who plays tournaments acknowledges that like uh, that's essentially the like the right way to play. Hmm. Interesting. I want to I want to sort of focus in a little bit more on regionals now. Um, for those of you who came from Sox's stream, you will have watched him uh, lose to a Warwick two on stage six. Uh, so I want to I want to ask you a little bit about the state of the game right now. How you're sort of feeling about the current patch? How it's all shaking up? I mean, there's all there's things that are broken. Like Warwick Warwick two is a hundred percent broken. Um. But like the patch is fine, the patch is good. Honestly, I'm pretty sure regionals is gonna be reasonably it's gonna be a good time. Um, I mean, hopefully I hit Warwick two every single game, but like it's gonna be a good time. <laughs> I think I think the patch is fine. Uh, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's the best patch ever. I don't think it's the worst patch ever. I think it's pretty middle of the pack. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff in there. <laughs> um, a lot of uh, I think the units in this set. A lot of people, for the very first, at least in my opinion, for the very first couple of days when everyone was playing Siva or Renata, were sort of hyper focused on the fact that those two units weren't like the most enjoyable units of all time to play. But there's actually some really fun units in this set, and like, even if it is not a hundred percent a brand, you know, it's not a brand new set. Of course, they bought back a lot of old favorites, Aurelia, Draven, things like that. I mean, you know, anyone that played older sets will have loved those those units so i think it's it's nice to have them back yeah i agree i think this uh, has a lot of fun three-star units like senna oh my god senna's design is mm. so cool i i kind of wished um like they made her like a maybe like a forecast or something but like senna's design is so cool so your um your current thoughts on the on the patch right now um yeah it's it's not perfect um it's a long patch as well but uh i think it for the context of like some big competitive events coming up a long patch somewhat makes sense at least like the meta is you know going to be somewhat stable people are going to have time to put in volume they're going to have time to learn the ins and outs of the patch they're going to know what's good so you can't like you know competitors can't really complain that they didn't really get enough time to like learn the patch right so i think that's good um, I think there's like, yeah, there's a few outliers in terms of like balance that doesn't feel too great. Like we mentioned earlier, two Star Warwick's a bit strong, but yeah, it's fine. Um, anecdotally in my games, I've been pretty successful just flexing around AD, sometimes flexing around AP. So like the fact that, uh, I think that the fact that you can succeed with a lot of different four costs is a good sign. And then, you know, you can also win with, uh, you know, three costs as well. So I think that's like, that's like a good sign that, um, yeah, I think that's a good sign that the patch is in a decent slot. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, the first couple of days uh, were quite a struggle. I think it's sort of sh shaped out a little bit now. It's sort of feeling a little bit more um, more open, even if there's like three Warwick players in every lobby. But that's okay. There has to be somebody playing the good stuff in every lobby, really. Otherwise, uh, you know, sometimes it better be you. 
Uh, I'd, I'd love to sort of, uh, you know, keep going on this regionals topic. Um, a lot of good players coming up in the, the North American regionals sucks. Uh, I mean, aside from yourself, I won't let you say yourself, um, who do you think has a good chance going into the, you know, into these, uh, into these events? I mean, yeah, I mean, I haven't watched too many other players. I've, okay, I have a few friends that I definitely, I have a few friends who I definitely watch a lot. Like, I watch a lot of Newbell. I'm pretty sure, like, he's, I'm pretty sure he's, like, the the biggest Smurf right now. Get this guy, I mean, I don't know how he does it, but, like, he, he hasn't touched the game in, like, two months. He comes back and just, like, starts annihilating everyone. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure Newbell's going to pop off. Aside from that, it's actually hard to tell. Um... Uh, I w- I want to like I always want to say Robin because like, just I I I think he's he's got the. Uh, I would say like if I had to pick uh the best tournament player of all time is probably Robin. So, I th- I think those two are my two favorites uh, going to the event. And then as for myself, I just want to bring up I don't I mean I don't think I'm in like peak form or anything like that. Also, I I have been practicing, but I haven't been practicing that much. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, let's um, let's wrap up regionals with a, a nice um, a nice final good luck to to Sox for being on on this episode as well. I want to now get into the other portion of our discussion, which is your game. Uh, we, oh, we, have, sure. we have left it. We have left it. We've we've got the TFT out of the way. TFT is done. We don't have to talk <laughs> about this game anymore. I mean, um, I I love TFT. <laughs> I still play it all the time. But actually, TFT is a huge portion of why this game is going to be so hard to finish. Uh, anyways. <laughs> I mean, so the reason why I'm making a game is because I play a lot of other games outside of TFT. Like, I play a ton of Steam games. Um, or at least I used to play a lot of Steam games. Uh, definitely more than almost every single TFT player. And uh, there's just no such thing as a good auto-battler in the genre. Like, there's not a single good one. You would think, like, people could just make a good auto-battler, but, like, no. Everyone is just essentially, like either copying off of Hearthstone Battlegrounds or directly copying off of TFT. If you play any of the TFT clones, they're awful. And, like, like the the the, the Battleground clones and the ba- Battleground itself and Battleground clones are also, like, pretty underwhelming, I would say, just in general. Uh, so then I'm also one of in the only, like, I'm in, a, like, a weird position where I'm one of the best TFT players in the world. And I'm also, like, good enough at programming. and um, actually make my own game um so i i just took a lot of inspiration from like games that i enjoy and just like uh, mash them all together so there's this game i used to play as a kid called amorphous plus one of my favorite games of all time um and i'm essentially just using all their units unit ideas and then uh, jamming them into an auto battler and then the other half of the game is based off of slay the spire so like i love that game um, yeah which is another amazing game uh, where like you you climbing a, you're climbing a dungeon and you get like augments and you can um uh, build combos from from those, so like essentially just slay the spire with like an auto battler system, so like every battle instead of like playing cards you just watch the fights uh, happen naturally, and afterwards you get to add a new unit to your team, and essentially you can think of it as like slay uh, like a dungeon crawler TFT. Now Sounds um amazing sounds great. I'm in. Yeah, I mean, I'm, in, I'm, in, yeah, I'm I mean, already in. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it does sound amazing. But the thing is mm. that, you know, uh, as people who develop games know, uh, ideas are a dime a dozen. Like, yep. just because you have a really cool idea, uh, A, doesn't mean anyone will buy it. 
And then B doesn't mean that you can actually make it. Um, so that's where like the second half comes in. Like I think I can actually make this game. Now, um, <clears throat> I've been working on it for a month, and like I, there's a lot of things that need to still be worked on. But I've gotten like a decent portion of the game made, and then I've already like done an early uh, demo playtest with uh, some of my friends and some of my like streamer friends, and like. Pretty much from the feedback, like unanimously across the board, is that this game is like one of the most unique games they've ever played, and they they had a lot of fun playing it. Uh, so I, I, in my opinion, I have like every reason to believe that this game will be fun. And then, um, I'm a little skeptical about like uh like paying my people for like art and paying people for like music and sound, um, because. Uh, uh, one, I don't want to talk to people, so that's that's a huge problem in <laughs> itself. And then two, I mean, I I don't I don't actually want to sink money into it until I can actually reliably believe I can make money. <clears throat> and then finally, I have one last uh, like piece of like uh, like basically ace of my ace in the pocket, while I can believe I can make a successful game, is that um. I mean, I've been, I've been like in my free time. I just watch YouTube videos on game dev, and the biggest problem I would say, like the biggest problems that most game developers have is that, like, there's no easy way to market your game. Like, you have to pay so much money, and and what's called another thing is that you don't know if there's an audience out there who wants to play your game. So like, you 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 would think that it's like it's trivial to like market your game, and like to to find a target audience for a game, but it's not. And what I have is that I have like I have I have special privileges, right? Because I'm, I'm I have statuses of being like friends with a lot of streamers. Like I can honestly probably ask a lot of like the popular streamers to actually play the game on stream, um, and maybe not even have to pay them or like pay them a small amount. So like in addition to that, like some of my friends are friends with other streamers, and like if they were willing to like help me out and like ask them on their on my behalf um i have a huge like i have a easy access to actually reach a lot of streamers um and that's like a, a like a dream situation for most game devs so like all that combined it makes me like pretty confident i can make a decent game that I could actually sell great so listen um uh, so studied uh game design and game development at university so the, i'm gonna I'm going to sort of hand over the reins for a minute because I'm sure that in this discussion that there's a whole lot that you can, you can gleam and, and would love to yeah. ask socks about this kind of thing. Yeah, sure. Cool. I mean, I'll, cool. I'll just, um, yeah, I'll just like immediately say that like legit having that kind of access to just like reach and marketing is like already like half the battle. That is like so huge because like, <laughs> In the game dev world, you can literally make, like, the perfect game, but, like, if you can't get it to people, it doesn't matter. Like, there are so many, like, sort of hidden gems out there that, like, get made and, like, are just unheard of for, like, just years and years and years and years. And then, they like, randomly they'll blow up. Like, I think an example, funnily enough, I'm going to bring up is, like, Among Us. I think that game existed for, like, two years before it was discovered, and it took, like... It took a lot of special circumstances. It took the fact that there was a pandemic going on that, like, I think, like, a few, like, really big streamers, like, Disguised Toast and stuff just happened to stumble upon it, and they were already into Mafia-style games, and then it blew up from there. 
So like, and, and you know, I'm sure the devs who made that game, like initially, like, you know, they probably tried to like market their game and get their game out there. But like, you know, it's not that easy. The market is super saturated. There are so many, so many games being made. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and not just that, like the other dream scenario is you're making an auto battler and you are in the auto battler influence. Like how much more perfect yep. of a one-to-one -one match can you get? Yeah, for so sure. Like, exactly, right? Yeah. So, like, the people who would be interested in other games are the people who are watching Sochi streams, are the people who are watching, like, my streams, are the people who are watching Slay the Spire streams. And, like, I have access to all of those streamers, which is, like, really insane. This is, uh... It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm... Because of that, I'm, like, I actually believe in this game, and because I believe in it, I'm willing to put in the effort. If I don't believe in it, or if I have, like, doubts that this game is going to be fun, like, this game would be... would not be good because I have doubts in myself. But, like, I have the I have confidence going into it. I have confidence like um from the feedback and this is like really promising. Hmm. I think funnily enough, like I'm reminded a lot of from this, like I'm reminded a lot of uh if people are familiar with the uh, with uh Raynad actually. Um used to be a Hassan streamer mm -hmm. and then he's the I think he's founder founder and CEO of uh Tempestorm, which is like an esports team, which is like an esports org. And then he basically like pieced out a streaming to go make his own like deck builder, which is called the Bazaar. And like it's the same thing, right? Like he Wait, already no, has he... his No, but he didn't it was a huge failure, right? It's, it hasn't been made yet, no, he's still making it, isn't he? No, he has like no, infinite no. backers, isn't he? Oh, is it? Oh, I, I oh, no, see, oh, I don't know, but I thought he okay, uh, last <laughs> time I heard uh, oh I don't oh, know right, because right. Last oh, okay, time okay, I heard... okay, okay. Yeah. The last time I heard, which was like I checked on him like four years ago, yeah. Um, it, it was called. It had like essentially already failed. Like basically, he he never even he could never even get off the ground and never release it. Oh, okay. Because oh, like no, it I wasn't thought, I, okay. Because I thought I thought it was still making it. No, because I looked at like update videos a while ago. Okay. There's well, no I was way. Just gonna, yeah. Okay. okay well, look, look, look. Also, if you started a project, <laughs> if you started yeah. a project like eight years ago, if you started like, a project like eight years ago and you like don't release it yeah, in like, that's eight fair. years. Okay. Like, I just wanted like, to bring that up because he did already sort of have that card base, card game sort of following base, and then he decided to make a card game. So I mean, you know, okay. Let's hope it doesn't. Let's hope your game doesn't go down that line then. <laughs> no, no, no. He, his okay. Yeah. The number one game devs, especially if you're making a new game and you're a new game dev, is to do what's a, what's called such a scope low, right? Like he yeah, he, a, yeah. he tried to do way too much. And if you look at my game, my game has a is like fairly small, very low scope, and then like I'm only um. Releasing like I'm not I'm not trying to make a multiplayer game. I'm trying to make a single player game. Fairly yep. small scope. The game's not too complex, uh, so I think it's gonna be a lot different. I think um yeah, <laughs> let's 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 pretend that yeah, like, like, that last like whole thing didn't even happen. We just scrub it from the post the post production, you know. Um, right, I will say that, that um, yeah, yeah yeah we just scrub that whole like part section out. No no no. no I think I it's fine. To, no 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 wait, wait, wait why, why not? I think <laughs> I think we'll be good. I'm joking. This is the joke. This is the joke. I'm just I kid I kid. But um. No, I, I think it um I think like speaking as someone who has um sort of who understands the sort of game dev side that sphere a little bit I'll, I'll say that like I think keeping things simple right and just setting your scope really really low getting that proof of concept out first is probably like the one of the most important things you can do because yeah as we mentioned right if you set your scope way too high if you try to do it too much it's basically shooting yourself in the foot because then you're just like oh but I have to implement you know th th this this thing and then this thing and this thing and then yeah, like I think I think the most important thing is like you just want to get something out there that people can play, people can enjoy, and if there's like if that it can be like successful, that can obviously just build into something bigger, right? 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Okay, I don't know. Since if you study game dev, I don't know how much like mm-hmm. did like have you did you try to make your own game? Have you like um, um I I so basically like the my journey was um I did it for like so I I went to a private college for two years and then I went to uni for for like a year before I decided that like this isn't really what I want to do. Um, so I kind of never really got around to sort of making my own game, but I worked on a lot of sort of small projects with a lot of other game design students. So I sort of know what that sort of process looks like. So it's a lot of stuff like, um, working with like other programmers, other artists, uh, other designers in my stream. And then uh, when I say stream, I don't mean like, you know, stream stream, I mean like, you know, discipline wise, um, uh, working with a lot of people. Right. And then, you know, you like your sort of brainstorm come up with like a, with like an idea for a game. And then you try you try to make that game essentially over the course of like you know six eight months or whatever basically. Um, and you know the games we made were all like fairly small, fairly simple kind of games. Um, I worked on like uh, I helped work on like sort of like a it's also kind of auto battlery, not really. It was more like it's kind of like a FTL, faster than light. If people know that game. Um, yeah, yeah, I played a lot of FTL. Yeah, yeah, we made like a <laughs> really really from a game. Mm-hmm. We made like a really, really simple FTL where basically um, you're just escorting like a conv- convoy of ships. You can buy like different ships. You all have like, and I was just, and I was just in charge of like figuring out like number values and stuff for like damage, like damage charts and stuff like that, basically. Um, so yeah, so like that's like the extent of like my game, my game development. So honestly, it's 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 one of those one of those things though. <clears throat> like. I would say I've I've got, I've definitely made games and stuff in college as well, but like it's completely different making a game that you care about uh, mm, like sure. post college. Like when I was doing college, all the games I made were essentially for um for school. Like I, I would I would make a game as my final project, and like I I cared about it, I enjoyed about it, and I but I like at the end of the day, I never really cared about it. Like I don't actually. Like whether it goes, whether it's fun or not, who cares, right? Like all I have to do mm, yeah. is just show the professor that hey, I have something. But like this is this one's different. Like once, like I, I okay, in my opinion, honestly, like once you separate out from school, like and doing something on your own for no other purpose besides doing it is completely different. So, um, yep. it's I don't think it's quite the same. But I totally I totally understand where you're coming from, and I. I mean, if if you have any more tips for the industry, yeah, I I I mean, I oh, I'm I mean, to... I I yeah, I don't think it's the same for sure, and that's that's how I knew it wasn't for me, because like every time like I tried to put pen to paper, I was like, I I I can't, like this is just too much work. It's like my brain. It's, it's like, okay, yeah. like actually, I was looking at my to do list earlier, like literally like two weeks ago, my to do list was like. So it was like a hundred different items. I'm like, holy fuck! Yeah, how yeah, can you do all this? And then just thinking about animations and like finding sound and like finding art is so overwhelming. Uh, it's actually crazy. But then once you start doing it, it's it's not too bad. I mean, it's pretty bad, but it's like it's not too bad. <laughs> Sucks. I'd love to I ask just... you. I'd love to ask you how you're um how you're going uh sort of melding adult family life with work tft life <laughs> oh uh, i mean okay so i tried okay i won't report back to your wife i promise i'm not gonna <laughs> no no no, no so um <laughs> uh, i mean i actually i do a lot of work for the kid anytime essentially i'm not yeah. streaming anytime i'm not streaming i'm not working on my game or i'm not playing tft i'm with the the kids mm-hmm. uh also uh okay you know how uh, the thing about kids is that you can take infinite shortcuts um people people don't like to talk about it and people like 
people condemn people who do, but like, like if you take enough shortcuts with your kid, like it is, it is not that much to work. But you gotta be like okay with taking those shortcuts, you know. Like basically, there's a lot of corners you can cut. Like you don't actually have to like. Um, I would say like uh, my kid is on average like a an hour and a half commitment a day. Um, I was I spend about uh two hours on my game a day. I would say around that. Um, I spend about uh, three hours on TFT, so that's that's like six hours out of my day. I spend about like five hours of work, five to hours, six hours of work. I don't actually work the full eight hours. Don't tell my boss. So, so I mean, in total, that's like what eleven hours of my day. That's like nothing. Uh, and then like. I sleep for like eight hours, so that's what, nineteen hours now. Five hours. I literally don't even know do what I. I don't even know what I do in like those five hours. I probably just like watch TikTok, browse Reddit, or go Twitter. Like, it's like, what do you even do with those time? You know, like, <laughs> basically, like I have so much time. And then, um, in addition to that, like I don't really talk to any of my friends. Like that's too much work. Like I've always just used the excuse that I have a baby, so like I don't even talk to them. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't come over. I have to take care of my kid. So, like, I have so much time. Like, I have so much time. <laughs> I'm going to start using that excuse on all my friends, actually. Even though I don't have a kid. Sorry, guys. Kids really messing me around this week. I can't, I can't come exactly. out. I love but, that. I mean, this I, actually sounds so OP. <laughs> like, no, no, it's not. I honestly, just... if, you, if you break down, like, I don't, I don't know anyone who's actually truly busy. I mean, my partner is busy, but that's because she doesn't cut corners. Like my my partner, like literally, um, she 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 has work. She takes care of the baby. She doesn't cut any corners, and she has she has no time left. And like, and I feel I feel I feel kind of bad for her. Like she works the full eight hours a day, even though like nothing's gonna happen if she works less, right? It's not like it's not if she works less she's gonna get fired, or if she's gonna work more she's gonna get paid more. Like there's no pay difference. There's no like you're not gonna get fired. Like what's the big deal, right? And then like the same thing about like. <laughs> Uh, taking care of the baby right like she goes above and beyond like it's not like he's gonna he's not he's not gonna remember anything right it's like not a big deal i love that that's great yeah that's also great. tft too like i feel like uh i feel like you don't have to watch that much that much you don't like, it's not like you have to be watching like streams 24 7 to make to get out to get what you need out of it and then also one of those things is like like playing like 10 plus games of tft doesn't make you better at tft than playing like two games a day like it really doesn't right so <laughs> i'd love to know what you think that like what makes you get better at tft like what what is that thing that, that makes you a better tft player I mean, isn't it just like concentrated and active thinking? Like whether you, whether you want to like watch people's vlogs and like actively think, or you want to play your own game, but actively think throughout the uh, throughout the throughout the game. I mean, like, uh, so there's a difference between like playing TFT with a, the YouTube video on, which I I do sometimes, and like playing TFT and actually like focusing on the game, right? So it's just hmm. uh, you can probably only like focus on like two or three games max, in my opinion, like per day. So That's and really even more than that, it's just Anything more than that, you're you're kind of just uh, uh, you're just playing for fun. It's definitely like more about like the quality of the practice than the quantity than the quantity, right? Like you could you could like no brain have the Netflix on, play like twenty games, and learn literally nothing, versus like full focus, full sweat, like three four games, and get a lot out of it. 
Hmm. I, so, like, I, I like I just that. Don't, so I just don't think there's really that much of a time issue. Hmm. We have a, a lot of uh, a lot of players that listen to us. Of course, I mean there, there'll be plenty of them that are that are high level players, good players. But of course, we have a lot of players that that listen that are trying to push up the ranks. You know, get from that flat one to that diamond two to that diamond three to that masters, the masters to the grandmasters. Uh, when it comes to thinking a little bit about uh, in, like active thinking and improve and improvement and that kind of thing. What what tips do you give to to people that that are like socks? How do I, how do I learn? Like how do I get better? How do I get to be where I where I want to be in in this game? Um, I think like up until like like masters or GM, it's probably just a good idea to focus on like a few comps, like one or two. Um, don't don't really try to flex uh play flexibly that much. But then afterwards, okay, so then, like, you're not really trying to discover your own thoughts. Like, you're not really trying to make your own innovation up until, like, uh, up until you have a competent grasp of TFT. So, like, uh, like GM, probably. And then after that, um, like, for you to make your own innovations, that that's very person-to-person uh, -person dependent. Some people, like, uh, get that from streaming. Like, you can watch streams, and then, like, sometimes, like, random streamers will just say something, and you'll be like, holy shit, that's, like, a huge revelation. Um, so that that one happens a lot. Uh, that one happens a lot to me, uh, for, uh, for example. Um, or uh, a lot of times, what you can do is you can watch other um, people and you can see why their boards are so strong. And sometimes, like just by analyzing why their board is so strong, uh, you discover an insight. So uh, uh, one that uh, happened to me recently was, I mean, this is a this is one of the more uh, like famous ones. So I'll, I'll use an example. Is that uh, I was the one. I guess I was the a person who popularized backline Jace carry in set six, um, like everybody thought backline Jace was trash. I played it like four times on stream, like one all four games, and I didn't discover this backline Jace tech. It's because uh, I was playing against someone. Um, it was uh, in, in solo queue. It was Nontam, <coughs> and this guy he was playing double shiv, um, death cap uh, Jace, and uh, I I I, I was it was us top two. I played against him three times, and his Jace was top DPS all three fights, and I was like. Huh. And he, he ended up winning that uh, game very handily because of his his uh, decap double shift Jace. And I was like, oh, this has to be like this. There has to be a reason why this like was so strong. So I, I tried it myself. Uh, tried to like like if the first game didn't go that well. Tried a few more times. Like the next few games went a lot better. And I realized like, oh yeah, this shit's broken. Like a hundred percent broken. So like innovation doesn't come from yourself. It comes from like um like random things that you stumble upon usually. But you just have to notice it because it's sometimes hard to notice. Yeah, that's cool. That's that's really cool. I like I like that. Um, you actually, I think the game you played today, you had backline Jace carry as well. Yeah, but I mean, at this point, it's not even novelty. Everybody knows backline Jace is broken. Mm. Was it? Um, mm. I want to quickly bring up since we're on this topic. It was you who first discovered, like, quote-unquote, discovered the concept of slow rolling, right? Like, I remember hearing yeah. this, like, you tell this story all the way back in, like, set three. Yes. Or I think it was, it was you were in a game with a friend, and then that friend only, like, was, was rolling so slowly that, like, and you just told them to buy, like, all the units of the Shredder comp, and then you looked at their board and everything was three-starred every single time, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, it was actually my partner at the time. I, I couldn't say it was my partner. That's right, that's right. She, yeah, she, yeah, she, she didn't want to... She... But basically, I was trying to get her to TFT, and I was like, okay, if you want to win, just play this one comp. And yes, uh, basically, I told her, buy the following five units at the time. It was the comp was called Shredder. You only bought 
Jar- Jarvin, Zaya. I actually I don't remember, but there was only five. It was just Jarvin. Five, and Zaya. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, sorry. Jarvin's. It was Zaya, Shen, Rakan, yeah. Shen, Rakan, Kaylin. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. You only Kaylin, buy yeah. those five units. Oh, you only buy those five units. And how you're supposed to play was you hyper roll at 3 1, and you only buy those five units. You roll down like 80 gold, and you three star everything. That was the theory behind it. Now, you never actually three star anything. You always had them two star. You never actually, like, you literally just, uh, you never three star them, and you three star them at like stage four, right? Everybody kind of accepted that's how it was played. But yeah, when I was coaching her, uh, she was rolling so slowly. She had like eighty gold, and and by the time she, the time timer was up, she had sixty gold left. I'm like, how the fuck? She's <laughs> <laughs> so slow. <laughs> but, but but to be fair, like, do you guys remember your first game of Sussex? Like how hard it was to actually like look at units. Yeah, yeah, like, it was. I did. You were playing so slowly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was. It, but it was the fact that like, like sometimes like the inspiration comes from really weird places, right? Like because my partner would roll so slowly, uh, she made a discovery where like if you slow rolled above fifty gold, the chances of you hi- uh, you hitting is so much higher than if you hyper rolled. Um, later, actually, uh, even though I, I I found this innovation later, I told other people about it and nobody believed me. Actually, like for the first uh, for the first week, people every single person still hyper rolled. And then I was like, oh, you know what? Fuck it. I'll do some math on this because I'm a programmer. I can mathematically prove that this is how uh, slow rolling is better. I wrote up a programmer, a program to do it. Still, nobody believed me. It was only, <laughs> it was like only when like a few like uh, popular streamers uh, started catching on, like Kyung and like um, GB8 started doing it. Like basically, like streamers started doing, it, then everybody started doing it. So like, do people actually care about getting good? Not really. It's uh, like the majority of players you, you play against just copy the streamers. Um, so it really depends on how uh, fast streamers pick it up. Like that's that's, that's before you have that. That's like the time you still have an edge before streamers pick it up. It's a very streamer-led community, TFT, of course. Um, as as you've spoken about already, socks like the sort of the the pyramid of TFT goes from like soju complaining all the way like it just sort of like goes down and down and down the, the levels of the pyramid until you get the trickle the, down effect. Yeah, the yes, trickle yeah. down exactly um so uh, we as we just see in chat though that's why the ladder is so hard when soju is good at the game then everybody's then everybody's everybody's level goes up like a h- average 200 yeah. lp all of a sudden yeah, it is true You're absolutely not wrong absolutely not wrong uh but you know i i, I don't know uh, to be honest i i'm a little i'm a little uh it's one of those things where like i'm always skeptical i mean i'm not skeptical but it's always weird to me that like people haven't discovered it first um like mm. it's it's so obvious now that you talk about it like like if you were to go back in time you and like you were to go, go back in time basically what i'm trying to say is like it is so obvious to us but like how was it so not obvious back when we were like babies you know like in set <laughs> one uh, but in set one i don't i don't know if you guys play set one but in set one, play set one. Uh, okay the the most powerful comp in the game was called voice sins Yes. And it's, it's essentially, you roll for the same type of units as Shredder. You roll for one cost and two costs. And every single person who plays that one hyper-rolled down to zero at stage 3-1. But, but if you were to go back to set one and you slow-rolled, you would literally, literally never bottom for a game ever. You'd you would never top- lose. Yeah. yeah, you would never lose. You would probably top you two every single game. You would never lose, yeah. Yeah, like the only reason why Boysen's... Um, 
uh, possibly lost. Like it was the only reason why it would ever bottom four was because people don't hit their three star castings. But like if you slow rolled, you always hit your casting. Like <laughs> if you could go back in time, you would be the greatest player of all time. Like it's not even close. But the knowledge you have today. I think a lot of it is to do with like um, familiarity, and once like a strategy becomes sort of popular, um, as long as it like has some kind of success, a lot of people <coughs> sort of fixate on that success, and they're like, "Well, this was good before. I'm, I want to. I'm going to keep doing the thing that was good instead of looking at this new strategy that might be better." Right? They might be like, "Oh, this new strategy might be better, but it's unproven. So I'm just going to keep doing the thing that had success before, even though you know." Yeah, yeah maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's very interesting. Like, I mean, oh, sorry, you go, David. Oh, I was gonna say because, like, with hyper rolling, right? Like that—that that was just the established like reroll strategy back then, all the way back at set one. But like, people barely even understood how to properly play TFT, right? Like everything was so new. So like, you know, like all the streamers were doing it. Like everyone around you is like playing like this. So you want to conform, right? You want to—it's—it's almost like a psychology thing as well to to an extent, where like this is what everyone does. Therefore, I'm also gonna do what everyone does because because it supposedly works. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I I kind of agree for the most part. And I mean, these kind of things even happen. Like, I mean, I'll use like comps as an example as well. Like, if you went back to like before, you knew that Chug Bug was like gonna be good or like like be really good for sort of the latter half of, of set five point five. Like, and if you started in, like, week two or, like, week one of 5.5 and you thought to yourself, man, like, these Dawnbringer units are really good. Why don't I just, like, slow roll for the really good one-cost Dawnbringer units and, and go from there? So I, I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of sort of crossover with sort of comps as well that sort of come out of the woodwork the later that games go in. I, actually, I mean, I kind of disagree with that. Um, for one, I actually tried to chug bug a few times, and it wasn't good. It was only good because everything else got nerfed. Like when when like the strongest comp gets nerfed for like thirty percent, then yeah, other comps can emerge. I actually don't think um, I think comp innovation doesn't happen that often. It does sometimes, but for the most part, um, the established comps are the strongest comps for the most part. Hmm. Do you think that has quite a lot to do with sort of the way the game is at the moment as well? There's sort of a lot of um, a lot of trickle down of. of uh, no, it's just because good... um, uh, basically it's really hard to, uh, I don't know, like, uh, hide a comp. Let's just say you have a comp that does really well, okay, and and you are a really good player, and let's just say you climb to rank one with the comp. The chances are the comp is going to be discovered, and let's just say you are nobody. You don't you don't you don't uh what's it called you don't stream. You're really good at the game, and let's just say you slow roll every game. Um, and you hit all your three-star units, no one's going to know, right? Like, if I didn't popularize slow rolling, we might still be hyper-rolling to this day because it's hard to tell. It's hard, like, basically, comps are one of those things that's easy to tell. Um, oh, why is my camera all blurry? Okay, but it's e easy to tell, um, like, if a comp is strong. But it's hard to tell if a strategy is strong because how do you know? Like, how do you know the person's doing the strategy? Hmm. So I, I think there's... I don't think it's that comparable to be honest and tft is a very quickly um i like quote unquote solved game you know the second that a set drops on a pbe all of a sudden there's thousands of people in there trying to figure out the most broken combos of units and how this unit interacts with this unit and so on so you know you get the 
the TF Tactics website comes out with like a tier, like a day one tier list of the comps with the best win rates on PBE day one and, and those kind of things. So we're in a much more solved state of TFT now than we were in uh, previously. Oh, we've lost soul for a minute. My camera's being weird. My camera's okay. being really weird. That's okay. We can, uh, it's, it's, we can, keep, we can keep going along. You can um, just keep talking along. It's, it's, yeah, I'm trying to fix it. He's back. He yeah. is kind of it, it was. It was just being weird. All right, cool. So, I need a new camera. <laughs> a new camera. Yeah. Need a new camera. Okay, so I think we've um, probably talked a, a, a pretty solid amount about all this kind of thing. I want uh, the guys and, and girls and uh, anybody in chat to feel free to, to ask some questions. This is sort of the question segment of our show, so I okay, hand yeah, things over. Perfect, because uh, let me go ahead and um, also just use the bathroom real quick. No problem. Yeah, no problem. So I'll be right back. So uh, guys, yeah. when um, when Sox gets back, we'll we'll hand things over to Sol and and he'll ask some uh, some questions to us. And if you guys have any questions for for myself or and Sol or especially for our guest Sox, you know, feel free to to get them in now while we've got a chance. And of course, if you are here, thank you so much for being here. I will um, very quickly shout out everybody who followed since we started. That is Mr. Jack. Fail, lol, um, sexy Asian V, Proto Uwu, Rice Master seven seven seven, Star Alpha, Penguin Logistics, Wololo, uh, Falcon Pro, Slipperbug, Coon Three TFT, and Hail Hydra, Keck. <laughs> Thank you all so much for following. Uh, guys, we do this every week. We were supposed to do this every fortnight, but we can't stop looking every week. So uh, you will mostly it's weekly see, now. Yeah, we're basically just a weekly podcast we're, we're at weekly. this point. So yeah. thank you so much for for being here. <laughs> All right, welcome back. Thank you right. so much for everybody for being here. So we are going to sort of get towards oh. the question time. All right. I just I was just uh, reading some of the comments actually uh, in the chat. Some people were saying set four point five when Keeper Zaya wasn't discovered till the end of the set, or when Ari Vanguard Mystic was only discovered. I mean, the problem is that Keepers actually got buffed like the week before they got discovered. They got buffed from uh, lasting well, lasting like six seconds to lasting like uh, variable seconds, uh, scaling with the number of keepers. Usually, the average increase was like four second increase. And stuff like uh, Ari Vanguard Mystic got buffed because Nico like got a huge buff. Isn't like isn't that unfair to say like it got discovered because the units got buffed? I don't know. I think the keepers patch it was there was five five of the seven keepers got buffed. I think on that on that one patch, not like by a massive amount, but I'm pretty sure like Zaya, Rakan, Kennen, yeah. all. I think it goes. Um, buffed. I think it goes both ways, right? Sorry, I mean, I even then, I just don't. I don't bit. like the examples like, like that. The, mm. the only one time that you can say that a comp, at least in my opinion, the only one time that a comp has been OP for like, like I would say like several months before it got discovered. The only time I can only remember this in my memory was um, set two, uh, six shadows. Um, was never touched the entire set. In fact, all the units con uh, repeatedly got nerfed. Uh, six shadows got nerfed repeatedly. And then someone comes out of nowhere and plays the comp, 
And the comp is the strongest comp in the game. Like that's been in the game for like two months without getting like buffed. Right. So mm. that's the only time I can remember. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say that like due to just the nature of the game, um, the fact that there are so many people playing, there's so much data out there, it's very rare for a comp to just like that's actually good to just go undiscovered. Where like but I think that like yes, comps do like come out of like quote unquote nowhere. Um, you know, that weren't played before. Like, you know, using the examples of like Vanguard Mystic Ari, Keeper Zyle, but those are usually in the context of other, you know, sort of pieces of the puzzle moving or changing that allow them to sort of come out of, you know, hiding, essentially. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, so without further ado, we can uh, get to the Q&A part of the pod. So uh, we'll start with a question from uh, Murray in the chat. Shout out to Murray Cod. Um, how would Sox improve... Uh, 0.5 sets. So we're talking about mid sets here. I personally find uh, 0.5 set getting burnt out is easy and result of fucking around. I find 6.5 to be mostly uh, to be most boring for me due to all the reprints. I was pulling my hair. I was pulling out my hair when I found out Draven was <laughs> reprinted and has been in half the sets of TFT. Um, God, that's, this is a hard question. What the hell? I'm not a designer. I don't know what makes a set. Well, 0.5 set fun. Um. I think uh, 0.5 sets will always be on fine for people like um, like Murray. It's a little unfortunate. It's not like they can actually make a whole new set. They would like really need to shake up the mechanics, like uh, the fundamental mechanics, a lot in order to make it like a super fresh uh, half set. And I just don't think they have the capabilities of doing that. Uh, in addition, like <clears throat> it's the same mechanic. It's also like pretty much like 75% of the same units. So they're not going to swap out most of the units. They're not going to swap out the mechanic. It's like pretty reasonable that you'd be burnt out from sets, 0.5 sets. But like, also 0.5 sets are usually the sets that um, um, most people play competitive on. So like, it kind of sucks that everyone has to play it. So, I mean, if I, if I what's it called? If, would I rather play a 0.6 set, a 0.0 set or a 0.5 set? I'd rather play a 0.0 set. That's interesting because cool. uh, they they included... 0.5 sets in their like design plans you know coming up to 3.5 etc i mean they they started sort of very slowly like they added a couple units in set one they added a couple units in in set two that kind of thing so i mean yeah they don't have the like they don't have the time like set five point like set 5.5 was like quite like they just added like one big trait and a couple of new units because they were focusing so hard on set six. So I think that they have to sort of trickle out smaller changes for 0.5 sets to make them different, a new experience, but not like, they're not prioritizing a 0.5 expansion over like preparing for set seven. Like, you know, they, 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 they're putting infinitely more time into a 0.0 set than a 0.5. I, th I think set. it's just a necessary evil, right? Yeah, I mean, like, what can you do? Like, uh, with the amount of uh, developers, it's not like you can pump out a new set every three months, right? Mm. It is uh, still, it's still a very small team, of course. It is. I think, I think it's just, uh, I think it's, I mean, it's just like it is what it is. It sucks. Everybody acknowledges it sucks, but like, it is whatever. Like, I think it's better than. It's, I think it's better than having <clears throat> trickle content like they did in set one. I thought that was really, really like 
not that interesting. I, I'd much prefer to set five point five um sets on how to create new content. Hmm. This question comes from Hail Hydra in the chat. Uh, do you feel like uh, "quote unquote" play flex is a much overused advice now, given to lower elo players? I feel like I hear it too much, and it doesn't—it doesn't apply to every set necessarily. I don't know. If I went to lower elo player, <clears throat> no, it's obviously a little bit. Is it a little bit hard to say because, like, I can't just like put myself in the lower elo player's shoes. But if I was a lower yellow player and I heard the advice uh, play flex, if I were to give him the idea of play flex, it's just more or less. Um, <clears throat> if you're trying to enjoy the game, if you're not like, if you're not like super super like um, uh, anal about your uh, rank, I would play the game without following like one of those um, a guide overlays. So you know how those those guide overlays that tells you exactly what eight units you should have here in comp. And what items you should build for those eight units, or like you know maybe like going on tactics style tools and looking at what augments has the highest win rate and picking the augments based off the highest win rate. That's that that's essentially what I mean by when I say tell a lower elo player play flex, because like a lower elo pl player like I I mean this is this is obviously kind of offensive, but like no offense, <laughs> like your rank and your skill level really doesn't matter. It's not like by climbing to like platinum. Suddenly, like people are gonna be like, "Oh shit, no!" XX Dark Knight Lord XX is, is an amazing player. Like your rank doesn't matter. Like it's just for your own self uh, improvement. And I think that for low elo players, they should like not fixate so much on rank and fo uh, focus on just enjoyment. Now, at some point, um, you're playing a game for a while. Uh, you're you're probably like thinking of getting like somewhat serious. Uh, that's the point where. You no longer even need a guide. Like you don't need overlays and stuff. Like you don't need overlays. You probably don't need like tactics style tools. But you know, like I guess rank one and a begs to differ. <laughs> <It's a joke. laughs> but, but like the point is that like uh, like at the point where like you play the game because you're serious, you probably don't even need um, to like follow a guide. And that's what I mean by um, that's what I would assume you mean by playing flex. But also because as before playing flex was invented, uh, playing flex actually had some meaning back in the, the day, good old days. Like because people actually only bought like like fifteen units in the game. Uh, now like playing flex is everyone's standard. Like even like silver gold players, I, I like I have a few friends who are silver gold. Even they play flex. Like even they know how to transition units. They know how to build like temporary items. They have like temporary item holders. They buy like half the units in the game. You know, like they're, even they're pretty good now. Socks, I'd love to ask you a little bit about like tactics.tools, that kind of thing. Um, we had Acer on the podcast last week. He talked a lot about how he values that sort of data set that he finds on, on those kind of websites. How do you feel about that sort of style of play? <coughs> I mean, it's very valuable. There's obviously nothing. Uh, just, you can't just say it's not valuable. It's very valuable. But the thing is that, like, let's just say you go to tactics.tools, tactics okay? Um, it's one for. And you offer the choice between cybernetic shell, cybernetic, um, cyber, cybernetics, and your uh, cyber, and what's the last one? Cyber shell, cybernetics, and cyber, what's the last one? Uplink. Uplink. Cyber uplink. A cyber uplink. Like, which one do you cyber take, uplink. right? Um, it's not so obvious. Uh, again, that scenario, maybe maybe just reserve to Texas stock tools and stuff. 
right? Like, it's not so obvious. Because, <laughs> like, you don't know which one's stronger at, at 1-4. But at 3-3, three, three, I think I think you can probably make an informed decision. Like, without looking at the data, you can probably decide which one's stronger based on your board. Uh, now, like, how can you actually make that decision is a little bit harder. It's a little bit more involved. But that's, like, essentially what, I, what most people mean by, like, playing flex. Like, like by not, by, like, utilizing your brain, you can probably make a decision on which, which of the three cybers is strongest. Hmm. Thingy. Now, which one is which one is the strongest? I don't even know. Now I'm thinking about it. All right, hold on. I think it's tactics dot tools. No, no, but at one four. Let's just say you had to pick. Oh, at one four. Where like context matters a little bit. Yeah. I think last time I checked was Cyber Shell, but is that armor? I feel like it would be armor. Well, armor's probably the most flexible, right? Like, because the other two, like, you have to play a specific tree. If you take if you take a regular cyber, you're probably playing AD. I think you're probably playing AP of some kind, right? It feels like. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But it's interesting to think about, right? Like, mm, why? Yeah. Um, I mean, it is hard to say which one's the strongest. But also keep in mind that there's a huge problem with these tools is that, like, they try to filter it by rank as much as possible. But, like, at the very end of the day, it's still based on, like, mostly, like, lower lower level players. So like, yeah. let's just say, uh, sure, like I'm pretty sure it's so small has like one of the highest win rates and one of the highest like top four rates in the game, and like I would still never take so small because like I know that at the end of the day, so small is kind of a gimp for the newer players because like so small has a relatively low skill skill cap, so like if you pick so small, yeah, like it's probably you're probably gonna do pretty well in like a like a master's lobby. And another thing I want to say about win rates is that they're often not indicative of how strong a unit actually is. Like, <clears throat> for the last two weeks, uh, Silver has like a 4.8 or 5.0 average on um, meta TFT and tactics.tools. And now and now everyone knows Silver's b- broken, right? Everyone knows Silver's like one of the strongest units. But like, um, at the time, if you like a Silver's win rate, it's like awful. And, but uh, sure, obviously, servers climbed a lot since then. Servers, uh, servers win rate like is now like four point, what is it like four point five, four point six? Um, but <clears throat> like a lot of the reasons why server is not good is because people didn't know how to properly play her, right? So hmm. I feel like it's a little contextual. Yeah, that's really what, interesting. What is servers win rate? Oh, she's she's one of the highest now. Four, well, not one of the highest, but she's like um, middle of the pack. She's back up there. She's just climbed 0.6% in the last two weeks. Okay. What changed? I actually, yeah, I haven't played in like a week. So what changed with Civil? I'm actually curious. Oh, everybody was bitching about Silver. I mean, obviously she got a huge buff, so that was that was part of it. But also because uh, uh, for no reason at all, people were playing, uh, oh, it's called Rageblade, uh, Shiv, QSS Silver. Uh, but like... I mean, if you if if you wanna if you want server to damage, you just play IE last whisper, right? Oh, I was about to say, is the tech to just play her as a AD carry as intended? Also, like I mean, the the thing is that people always tunneled on server as in six hex tech, but you can play like mm. no synergy server. That's why she's so strong too. She's just like a mm-hmm. she's just like a she's just like one of the highest DPS carries, uh, uh, if you have any sort of front line at all. So like mm. you can play like four Vanguard. Or you can four play uh, sorry four. Uh, not vanguards out there. Bodyguards, bodyguards ever. <laughs> you can play. There are always vanguards like in my heart. Socks. You can be play like zero. Forever. You can play four bruiser server with zero like mm-hmm. hex tax, 
basically like people used to play like hex uh, six hex text ever or bust okay and now now no one plays six hex text ever mm. except you hit it really early yeah you can play you know you play socialite silver like better with okay the, maybe the not socialite AD. oh maybe maybe not socialite <laughs> the reason why not that's where the is because, uh, goes yeah that's where the really goes yes <laughs> <laughs> Um, cool. Let's, uh, all right, let's grab, let's grab one of our sort of pre-prepared questions. Um, yeah, we'll do one of our pre-prepared, pre-prepared questions. So, um, let's do this one. Uh, this one's for all of us, I guess. Uh, upon seeing so many twitlongers from high-profile members of the community, uh, the person initially asking this question says, I have been less excited and interested in the game. Do you think that there is a better way to talk about the state of the game? Or is this the best way to sort of gather gather attention? I mean, okay, I, I, I no flame, but like I'm pretty sure Soju put out his tweet longer way too early. Like it was like the second day of the set, or maybe third day of the set. He comes out with a huge paragraph how six six point five is not balanced and how like the game's not fun because the game's not balanced. Okay, maybe not no flame, but like low flame. Isn't that a little too early? Like all the other sets took a while. I feel like. Minus set six launch. Six six launch was pretty good, I think. But like, the point is that, like, if you don't give like right even a week to like patch the game, and you're releasing a tweet longer how the game sucks, then yeah, people are gonna like jump on the bandwagon. But like, in reality, the game is actually okay after the patch. Like, the first week after the patch, if you ask Soju the exact same questions, I think he'll be okay with it. Like, he he wouldn't hate it so much. Yeah, it was too early. It came before the B patch. You're only allowed to tweet if the game sucks after a B patch when they fix the broken uh, stuff. Well, no, I mean, it's not, it's not allowed. You can obviously, <laughs> no. obviously allowed to. But it, is, it, it was a bit early. I, I agree with you. It was quite early on in the in No, the but the thing time. is that, like, is you can't stop what people feel, right? Like, yeah. obviously, if they don't enjoy the game for the first few days, it kind of sucks. So he's, he's entitled to, like, tweet launchers and stuff. But I, I'm a little sad that it affected the player count so heavily because I think it did. Um, but yeah, hmm. I think it's a good way to gather like community opinion, really. Because I mean, where does all the TFT discussion take place? It takes place on Twitch and on Twitter. So if you're trying to have a discussion with somebody about the state of TFT in a Soju stream with twenty thousand people spamming Twitch emotes, you're not really going to get like a here's what I actually think of the game. You're probably going to get, man, this game fucking sucks, dude. Like, spammed like 4,000 <laughs> times. Um, so Twitter is like a, a better place to express like why or where, like where the problems you have with the with the set are. But, you know, if, if, if you're like, the game devs are like lazy assholes, that like, I don't agree with that stuff, you know, like, I, I don't think that's fair. Like, you know, you I think, know, I think, the, I think the, a tweet longer is fine. Game. I think a tweet longer is fine. Uh, it's a format. I wrote a tweet longer about Set 5 because Set 5 sucks. Yep. Uh, but I'm just saying that yep. I think Soju could have waited a little bit on his tweet longer to see if he still feels the same after a B batch. Uh, but yeah, I think mm. tweet longer is totally fine. I think I think tweet longer. I actually love reading tweet longers, especially <laughs> when I'm using it in the bathroom. Tweet longers are. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, sucks. What are your thoughts about the 
we haven't actually talked about this. Uh, everybody that we've had on since it sort of happened, uh, we talked to Acer about this, like the tournament format. I was wondering if you had any thoughts on the current TFT tournament format. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot we're supposed to talk about that at some point. But and what's it called? Uh, I saw like Ramcaps turn longer and stuff. I don't really agree with Ramcaps turn longer. It's, it's not like I fundamentally disagree. It's just like his, his solutions on fixing tournaments and like having more games, having less variance, isn't really. What I think tip to tournaments are about. This is very controversial, so obviously, maybe take it with a grain of salt. But <clears throat> and and it's probably because I, I'm not like I'm not like super super competitive anymore. Like back in the days, if I got like back in like set three, set four days, if I like bumped out a tournament because of variance, I'd be really upset. But now like I'm not too upset, and it's probably because I'm a little jaded. But anyways, my point is that. <clears throat> Nobody watches TFT because of like they're trying to watch like eight games where like people are trying to prove their skills. Like it sounds that's what people say they want. That's what people like would agree. But like people like watch for like their favorite streamers and hype moments. Mm. And like essentially, if you want the TFT scene to grow, the only way for it to actually grow is to if the viewers go up. And the viewer only way for viewers to go up is if like if they introduce more like exciting formats like the checkmate format again. Now, obviously, as a competitor, the checkmate format is kind of sus and I, like it was really stressful. But as a, a viewer, I like every time there's a checkmate format, I get a lot more invested into the game um, for the checkmate format. And then obviously for like um, for like the big tournaments, it's like it's really bad if the uh, big uh, TFT players don't show up. Like for the EU tournaments. I essentially only watch a few of the EU players that like I know and I follow. Same for like OC tournaments, like uh, you know, I'm not like it's so. I'm sure there's a lot of talented OC players. I mean, you guys play on the OC server, but like, like usually I, I watch the OC players to check how my my boys King, my boy uh, Esha are doing. I don't <laughs> really care about who's like you know, yeah. like the the like it's not it's not like an insult or anything like that. And same for like fans of NA. If you, if, I, in my opinion, if if we really want TFT to grow, uh, basically we need to com- continue to like promote like uh, stories, promote players. Like Soju shouldn't have to fucking play to for the end of regionals. I mean, he, he should, but like <laughs> Soju should like if he doesn't qualify, he's just got a ticket to the end of regionals, right? Like, like, like how others? How does the TFT scene even grow? Like, I don't know. And then, um. I don't know. And then also the thing about TFT is that right now there's a lot of tournaments that don't matter. Like you have to play in them. They're not fun. Um, and like, it just feels like uh, there's so many tournaments that like, uh, that like nobody really watches. People don't care because there's nothing at stake. There's like nothing at stakes. And um, like uh, one way to increase the stakes is to have like money. Like another way to have the stakes is just like maybe maybe make the tournaments like less frequent but it uh, ha- having like like direct qualifiers to regionals and stuff so like the most recent uh tournament was really really fun to watch at least for me because it has two direct spots to regionals and then like soju was able to directly qualify because of those two spots now all the other tournaments that came before this at least in an na format like 
had no had no bearing. Had, they were completely pointless and like they were really fun to. They were not fun to play. They were not fun to watch. Hmm. Yeah, and they, you know, that that tournament, the most recent tournament as well with Soji. You know, players actually had to, like, if some guy went sixth on the last game, he may not have made it overall. If one guy went fifth, he may not have been able to make it overall. Like that's exciting. That's exciting for viewers to watch you know like oh it really comes down to like individual skill in a couple of games to determine whether or not you're going to make the second biggest tournament of the year so how do we make that exciting for the other four months of a set where we actually have to watch people play tft tournaments for a hundred dollars that they don't want to play yeah i i think okay that's my take on it i think What's called ramp like other people's or comp- complaints like variants and stuff. Those are all like sure they're valid in their own rights. I don't think it's the root root problem at all. Like if anything, lower game like lower variant, the like, higher variance is better because higher variance is more fun for the viewers to watch. If anything, mm-hmm. kind of stupid, but like that's the way it is. It's not like you played like like five games of, of five football games at the Super Bowl is to find out who's the best football team. Nobody cares about who the actual best Super team is no like nobody cares <laughs> everybody just wants to have a high stake game that that's fun to watch yes agreed i think i'll definitely say that like uh i'm with the whole like getting sort of person like following like story like building storylines like person like tft personalities and all that stuff i think i'm reminded a lot of uh, i'm not gonna talk about it too much because it's a little bit uh, it's a completely different game but i'm reminded a lot about sort of hearthstone in its heyday it's like its competitive scene in its heyday when it was like there were a lot of popular hearthstone streamers playing and the viewership was sort of at an all-time high because you know all the viewers are invested in their specific streamers and that in itself allowed up-and-comers to also sort of get the spotlight as well because like when an up-and-coming player plays against like a popular streamer and they beat them then all of a sudden players kind of want to check this guy out they kind of want to see who he is but then once sort of a lot of the streamers sort of stopped playing competitively once it sort of just like became mostly just like you know unknown relatively like not very known names and people were just like then the viewership started, started like sort of dropping dropping off people were a lot less interested right so i feel like it's kind of a similar thing in tft where like you know if the lobby is just eight people you've literally never heard of no one really wants to watch it but if like half the lobby is like you know like soju kiyun robin you know these like big names and then the other half are these up-and-coming players well all of a sudden you know these up-and-coming players do really well you're like oh holy shit this guy is probably really good. He beat, you know, Soju, Kiyun, Robin. I watch these guys all the time. I want to check this guy out. I want to see who he is, you know, uh, he, he or she is. And then um, it, I think I think that sort of helps to really sort of get the viewership going and, and really sort of get players invested, I feel like. But yeah. Agreed. Agree on that one. Hmm. All right. Um, I'm going to go back a little bit. Uh, going to try and probably do this one quickly. Um... A question again from uh, Hell Hydra. What are the most common mistakes you see low challenger players make? Uh, <clears throat> oh man, that's this is some loaded questions. It's, a it's hard question. because it's hard you can't just answer this. Um, it's hard to say, just give a blanket statement like you're a low challenger because you must be good, but you're a low challenger because you must be bad somewhere. And like, what are you? What are you good at? What are you bad at? I have no idea. But if I were to guess, if I were to guess, um, most people who are stuck in low challenger. Uh, I can only say from like the other like low challenger friends I have and like I watch, it's because um um I'm I'm I don't want to name names but like you know there's a few like guys who are 
and low challengers. But like they play mostly to have fun and to enjoy themselves and not not try to learn too much between each game, or they um, make mistakes that like sometimes the chat points out, and then they're you know they have no no backseat tag on, or like it, like or like basically they don't want to be backseated. Basically, there's some there's ob- um, often some really easy ways to improve your game from low challenger to like at least like mid to high challenger. Um. They're not really obvious if you, if you don't, uh, either if you're not really receptive to uh, changing those things, or um, if you're not um, like comfortable or, like getting like um help from other people, and then uh, also uh, uh, something that's very important is that um, there's a lot of these habits that a lot of people are. It's really hard for a lot of people to break out of. Um, <clears throat> uh, now like. Uh, also, I can't. I can't obviously. I obviously can't say for you personally, but like, I watch low challengers play. And it's really hard for them to roll a seven, and and like try to stabilize seven. And sometimes the correct place I should stay level seven the entire game, trying to roll for your two star forecast. Like people do it all the time. Like just in a recent tournament, Newbell rolled a seven for pretty much the entire game. Robin rolls a seven for pretty much the entire game. Sometimes like literally never go eight level seven, try to two star your forecast. Mm. And like, um, low challengers will never be able to have the balls to do it. Not because like they don't recognize it's the correct play, just because it's because they don't even consider that even once. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, I think it's a scary I, play. It's a scary. I've definitely scary. noticed that leak a lot. Yeah, I've noticed that leak a lot. Where like you people like a lot of low challenge players just refuse to accept that like you're playing for sixth or you're playing for fifth, and like they'll just they'll just like they're like no, I have to fast eight. I have to. I have to hit my entire board, and no, sometimes you just don't have those resources, and you you know you need to play you need to play for like a fifth or sixth, and sometimes you know sometimes it's not even a fifth or sixth. Sometimes you high roll, and it's 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 a fourth, and you you manage to get a fourth or even a third, just completely donkey rolling at level seven. So yeah, for sure. As like someone who broke out of kind of being a low sort of like a GM low challenger kind of player who sort of improved to get towards like four digit LP, like getting four digit LP was like the thing for me that was like, okay, I feel like I'm probably like, that was where I like feel like I crossed the threshold to being like good, really. I didn't really feel like it until then. I guess I'll just give a very quick example of like my personal experience. I like had friends sitting call with me for like, like weeks at a time, you know, like every game I was playing, they would like talk me through like what they thought their be- the best play was, you know, they were similar skill level to me masters players gm players challenger players high like very high elo players sometimes but they're just you know they're like hey you know I, i'd do this here and i go well i would do this here and then you say well why would you do that i think being able to bounce off of somebody is a very underrated aspect of tft um and it's actually a really good cause for for personal improvement as well and that that was my experience uh, going from a kind of like a 300 lp andy to like a you know, trying to go for, you know, 1k LP kind of consistently. Yeah. That's good. All right. One last question, and then we'll probably wrap it up. Uh, this one's for Socks. Going back to your TFT history... Yeah, this one's kind of hard. Going back to your TFT history, what is your proudest moment as a player? Oh, mm, God, this is hard. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> uh, proudest moment? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's some... Uh, what's it called... 
my favorite set was set four. Um, I think I was, I think the best, the, the two best times I was a player was I, in set four. In set four, I was probably the best player. Um, when I figured out how to play flex at that point, I reached nineteen ninety three LP, and at some point, I want to push two K LP. So that's one of my favorite moments. Um, in set two, when I first actually like <clears throat> was recognized as being like the best of the game, uh, that was really cool. That was like the part where like <clears throat> I used to be like really um, like excited, like really naive actually. Like, like oh my god, I'm the best player in the world. You know, look at me, I'm gonna get famous. It's gonna be like, you know, I'm, I can retire from here. <laughs> and then like you know, the the the, the fantasy you have when you when you first first. Uh, get recognized as like being good and people watch you and stuff. Um that was fun. Um I think set 4.5 uh qualifying for worlds um was really good because set 3 I, I set 3.5 I knew I qualified for worlds like kind of cheatedly. Like I cheated a little bit. I mean I was still really good but like I wasn't actually like much better than everyone else. Like you can't cuz I kind of actually compare my skill to other players because um I was uh, approaching the game from a different avenue, so like I wasn't, I wasn't like, oh, I'm better than you. It was just I had a different strategy going to you. But set four point five, I was like, oh yeah, I am way better than everyone else. Actually, uh, we were doing some VOD reviews um, of my games, and then we were doing some VOD review of the winner games, which is Karam. Uh, I was doing it with a bunch of high challenger players, and like everybody agreed that like I played way better than Karam. Like it wasn't even close. Um, now Karam played really, really well too. But I think um, that was like the one time I can say like in, with confidence that um, I was probably the best player. And then set five was a mess, and set six. I, I mean, these days I should play for fun. Kick that. Awesome. All right, I think that's all the questions. Guys, this has been a fantastic experience. Uh, I will speak personally first before I hand it over to Sol to to thank you guys as well, but. Uh, you know, we, we've been really lucky on this podcast over the last 19 episodes to to talk to some amazing people, some amazing OCE, uh, you know, uh, content creators and, and uh, rank one players and amazing uh, Southeast Asian uh, players like Jose and, and Keith uh, who have come on. Uh, you know, we, we had five episodes in a row where it was just the two of us just just talking about tft and we love those just as much as, as as any guest that we've had on and uh we've gone international now and and you know uh players like uh acer and uh of course the absolutely fantastic uh doa for coming on on the podcast have been really really special for us and and a big big thank you socks for you for for coming on and, and chatting to us today we've really enjoyed it yeah it was fun Thank you. Uh, Sol, I will let you uh, say, say your thanks as well and, and let people know where they can find you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> once again, thank you to everyone, you know, who follows us, you know, what listens to our, our podcast shows all the time. Uh, just a shout out to Murray in the chat. Yep. Shout out to big shout out to Murray Cod in the chat. I'm cutting that out. Um, <laughs> um and yeah again big thanks to sucks for coming on uh i you know at the risk of fanboying too hard I, like i already said um you're probably one of the players i've looked up to the most especially like in sort of coming up learning the game 
um and yeah <laughs> you mentioned that you don't really like making content and that's totally fine um but i do really sort of enjoy i do really really enjoy like all your content and everything you do put out so i mean no pressure to make anything but you know everything you do put out i do i do enjoy um so yeah that'll that'll be us um that'll be me mostly people who want to find me i'm soul underscore tft on twitch same on twitter if you want to know when i go live stream on friday saturday sunday uh 9 p.m a-E-D-T. Yeah. And uh, Socks, uh, I will let you have uh, our final word, a final word from you as well. Just um, obviously, I I'm, I'm sure 99% of the people who, who are listening will know who you are. But if, if they don't, where, where can people find you? Um, I stream occasionally. I, I don't even know what occasionally means. Uh, on my stream, it's Smash Socks with three S's. So then... Uh, <laughs> What I was going to Smash Talks is taken. There's nothing I can do. Twitch won't help me out here, but it is what it is. Um, <laughs> uh, what's it called? Uh, yeah. Um, I'll be playing in Anna Regionals this weekend, so maybe maybe you can catch me there instead. Wonderful. Well, guys, this has been the Roll Down TFT podcast. If you stick around uh, after the uh, after the episode's over, we obviously we talk about who's on next week and what we'll be doing next week. So... Um, Stick around for then. Until then, my name is Cutler, and for Soul and our guest Mismatch Socks, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye bye. Thank you so much, yeah, guys, bye -bye. for being here.